0: Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. We got into the teaching series on community. One of the primary reasons was we really felt like as a whole, um, in light of all that's been happening with COVID, we felt like the body of Christ was really under attack. Particularly, like community and fellowship and and gathering and meeting, and what started off as first as us doing our part to um, you know to 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 protect people, uh, I just feel that that for some we've kind of gotten gotten used to not meeting, we've gotten used to not having that fellowship, and we've almost looked at it as a luxury rather than a than a necessity. And uh, and Christian fellowship is a necessity; we need it. Um, this is how we're formed, uh, or one of the ways in community, and so. Um, I've just been really stirred by what Pastor Crystal shared, uh, said about privilege, the privilege of having community. And, and I was thinking about this, that the book of Revelation, it ends it ends with um, many different times it talks about how there's great multitudes from every nation, people, tongue, tribe, uh, around the Lord. It ends with this visible, tangible expression of the people of God with, with him. It's a picture of the church, the redeemed. But, but between that point and Jesus' first coming it's actually not guaranteed that we'll have the blessing of a visible uh, uh, expression of the community of God, right? Like there are some people right now who are actually in prison because of their faith. There are some people that live in oppressed areas where the idea of being able to openly gather, you cannot do it. You cannot do it. Um, I was just looking through the scriptures and I was really stirred by this, how often you see this aching of the people of God when they, when they, um, when they lose the privilege of being able to meet Maybe you've read it in the Psalms. There are some Psalms where the psalmists uh, talk about how they long for the day when they can go back to the temple with their brothers and sisters and worship God. Uh, I think about Paul when he was in prison. Paul was in prison and he longed for Timothy to come visit him. He just longed to see another brother, someone else, another Christian in the flesh come to uh, to -to face-to-face with him. I think about John in the island of Patmos. Wow, Christina, that's an amazing chair I just saw. If you haven't seen it, that is so cool. (laughs) I saw um, uh, John, uh, John in the island of Patmos in Revelation and, and it hit me this week that John was, he was denied the blessing of being with the churches, but in the spirit, the Lord showed him the seven churches. So in the spirit, he could, he could connect with them, but he missed, he couldn't have the physical, uh, a tangible gathering. And, and what you see throughout scriptures is those that are denied that, they're such an aching. And if they could just have one encounter with another brother and sister, it's such a source of encouragement. And what some people are denied, or what some people only have once in a while, we have the blessing and gift of having it daily. Daily. Like, what we get to do right now is such a privilege that we get to openly, in this nation, talk about Jesus, meet, have fellowship after, and we just, we really need to cherish what we have happening here. So, I just share that because that's one of the things Pastor Crystal's series has has really touched in my heart. So... With that being said, I want us to um, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12, in particular verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. You know who's another person I just thought of? um, I recommend a great, there's a great book. Any of you guys ever hear of Diedrich Bonhoeffer? So Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a well-known German Christian during World War II, Nazi Germany, he, he wrote a book during this time uh, when he was part of the underground church, and it's called uh, Life Together. And I've read some pieces of it, and the whole premise is basically how for so many years he had the privilege of gathering with other Christians. But then in a moment, when, uh, when Nazi Germany really came to its, its, its peak, they lost that opportunity. He talks about what a joy it was to be able to meet with Christians and his longing for that. So we have such a joy what, what we're able to do right here. So I want to talk to you about community one more time, uh, so if that's okay, that's what we're going to jump into, but it's very specific. I feel that God has really given me just a, a word that's really geared towards our church. I want to, um, I'll put it this way, there are times when, when, when we can jump into any part of the Bible, right? Like we're doing a study through Revelation, just simply taking a book and working through it, you're going to be blessed because you're going through the word of God. But then there are times you really feel like God stops and highlights something and really speaks. And it almost there's almost like a prophetic edge to the word that you feel like God is sharing. And this, I really feel, is right now for our body. And so I'm just going to really encourage you to to lean into this, um, to just journey with me for a few minutes today. Because I think, honestly, part of me wishes maybe the Lord wanted me to share this a few months ago. Um, But nevertheless, here we are. And the big picture is I want to speak just for a few moments on, on um, first and foremost, process. We hate that word, but we're in process. And uh, what the Lord has really shown me is as we go through process, one of the things that's so essential to God's development in our life is community. We need a place that we can get planted in. We need a place that we can grow in. And, uh, and so I want to kind of journey through some things with you on how God works in our life, like big picture process, but specifically how important it is for us to get planted and rooted in a place, okay? So that's kind of where we're going. Let me just say this, big picture is, um, we live in a culture that the word process, we don't really like. (laughs) We do not like that because we are a culture of immediate gratification. I want it and I want it now. But when you actually look at the ways of the Bible and the kingdom, how does Jesus typically teach? It's amazing, Jesus typically uses agricultural examples and parables to teach. Now one, it's because that's the people he was dealing with, they would understand that. But two, he's showing us that kingdom principles are things of process. There's sowing, there's reaping, there's farming, there's planting, and it doesn't just happen right away. And so I want to first and foremost, just encourage every person here that we're all in process, and you're okay. <laughs> you're okay, we're on a journey, and if you feel like you've been struggling or wrestling with things like you, you're okay. And, uh, and God has you in a good spot, and part of that is, is you actually giving into the place that he's trying to plant you right now. That's where we're going to, to go. Uh, but David, listen to me, I just want to encourage you. David, David, he, reserved, he received the word, the seed that was placed in his heart that he would be the future king. It was 20 years before David ever saw that come to pass. 20 years. Um, Joseph, Joseph received the word. You know how many years it was for Joseph? It was about 13 years. And now, now I'm not even describing what took place in those processes, but these are 20 years, 13 years. Moses, 40 years. He's shepherded on the backside of the desert. So I want to encourage you that if you feel like God has spoken things into your heart and you feel like you're in a process of seeing those things come to pass, like, and you haven't seen them right away, it's okay. Things take time. Things take time. And I want to, part of what I want to do today is encourage you, with maybe those that are feeling some anxiety and stress upon their life because when they look at their life, it doesn't look like what they thought it should look like right now. And I just want you to know, part of that is because God is more interested in developing you than your vision. He's more interested in developing you than your vision. And if you don't understand that, while you're going through process, you'll get really frustrated. You'll get really angry. You'll feel like you're missing it. You you feel like God is is punishing you when in actuality what he's doing is he's developing you. What I'm realizing now is that there are actually seasons that I feel are so disconnected from ministry, but it's actually it's so connected, it's all about God developing character. He'll start working on your marriage, and I'll say, wait a minute, no, no, God, you said we're gonna do this. And he said, No, you need to get your marriage in order. He'll start working on all these things, and there's these seasons that God will take us through, right? And so just be encouraged. We're all in this process. He's working on you first before anything else that he's promised. And, uh, and I just want you to trust and yield into what the Lord is, is doing. Um, I felt to share this too for someone. I, I feel like there's just a lot of random thoughts I just have to share with you guys. Uh, but one of the number one distractions, at least in my life, to bump out of process is to wish I was in someone else's. So be careful of that. God has you right where he wants you. And again, a big part of this we're going to see is he. I, I I see the necessity of getting planted in the place that he's called you, so you're in the right spot. Like right? if you feel called here, God's placed you here. Don't look, don't try to compare. Um, God God has you. Okay. So I want to talk with you. If I could, you can title it this: the process of being planted. The process of being planted. I'm not going to share. I don't think we'll see. That never goes as planned as I as I thought. But I'm not going to share a ton. But I want to share about. Uh, You being in process specifically of how God uses community to form you. And there's just a few specific things God has shared. So John 12, verse 24 to 26. This is Jesus describing his hour of glorification. Now, if I were to share this text 10 times, I'd probably never share an application like this. Again, I just felt the Lord like quicken me and highlight something for our body. And so he's preparing his disciples to let them know that I'm about to die. It's his hour of death. It's his hour of sacrifice. And look what he says. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, so unless a seed gets planted into the soil and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Verse 25 Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26 says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. So this process of being planted, what was really stirred in my heart is, first off, even though this is referring to Jesus, Jesus at the end says, if anyone wants to be my servant, he must follow me, which means Jesus says, I'm setting an example that I'm going to invite each and every one of you into to follow. And one of the things I just want to start first is that there's a principle that comes from this text that we see all throughout the scriptures. It's a biblical principle of bearing fruit. And he says if a seed dies into a ground, it will bear much fruit. If it doesn't die into a soil, it will remain alone. And the point is this, is that I want you to first know that you were created, you were created to bear fruit. This is very important. It's all throughout the scriptures. You were created to be a fruitful individual. And I believe that if you are born again of the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, that one of the ways you know that is there is a deep desire within your heart to have your life be used by God in order to bring the life and hope of Jesus into this world. Like there's something inside of you when you have the Spirit of God come and live inside of you where you say, man, God, it's like when you first get saved, you're like, I want to be used. I I want... I want to change the nations. I remember when God first touched me at Teen Challenge, and it's like, God, I'm going to change the nations. And he's like, okay, we'll start making menus for the men's home. And you're like, okay. And the Lord is going to begin to teach us how to die right in that place, right? That's what's going to happen. That's where we're going to go. But there's this idea where you're called to be fruitful. There's this deep desire. It's beyond just being plugged in and doing lots of church activity. Like Fruitful is about when people taste your life, they taste the life of Christ. Psalm one three. you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it to you. It says this, talking about the righteous versus the wicked, the righteous versus the wicked, which in the new covenant, when you're in Christ, you are righteous. The blood of Christ has so cleansed you, you're in right standing with the Lord. And this is over your life and us today here. It says he, meaning the righteous, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And so there is this this, um, calling from God over the righteous that we would be firmly planted like this tree and that our lives would bear fruit, not just in some seasons, not just in the good seasons, but in all seasons, we would be a fruitful people. In all seasons, our life would would have something that's lasting, something that's genuine. It actually says it, it endures. It's something generational. I don't know about you, but I want my life to impact my children, I want to impact co-workers, I want to impact this community, I I believe that there's something longing in our heart by the Spirit of God for this, and it's not just your desire as a born-again Christian, God has placed this, God has this desire for you, do you know that in John 15, when it talks about abiding in the vine, right, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branch, and if we abide in him, we, we will bear much fruit, well in that in John 15 verse 16, the Lord says, you did not choose me, But I chose you, and I appointed you to bear fruit. Jesus' desire is that we would be a fruitful people. So we've got this longing. Jesus says, I want you to be fruitful, right? Do you know that your life, your life is like a seed? That's what Jesus is saying. And not only is your life like a seed, but there's things I believe he's spoken into your heart. That's, that's the word of God. The word of God is like a seed. He has planted seeds in your heart. It's seeds of purpose and vision and dreams and things to really make a difference. But here's the key, and I want you guys to hear this. This is where I felt this specific word for community and for what we're doing. Does a seed just start bearing fruit right away? Of course not. If we're gonna be a tree planted along the river bearing fruit and out of season, if we're gonna follow in what Jesus is saying here, No seed just starts bearing fruit. There is a process that it must go through. And there is a lengthy process which the seed must go through. And not only is it lengthy, but there are specific needs that a seed has as it's in this process and as it's growing and eventually going to bear fruit. Are you with me? If I take a seed and I hold it in the air and just start watering it and giving it sunlight, will it grow? Of course not. There are many needs that a seed has, but I believe primarily one of the most important needs of a seed, this is the word I felt quickened by the Lord to speak for us. One of the most important needs of a seed is that it needs soil. What do you want know to I mean? I mean a seed needs a place to be planted. It needs a place where it can be planted and rooted and then begin to grow. In other words, the seed needs a place to die. <laughs> And I believe what the Lord was saying is that this is a season where he's calling many to plant their lives in this soil. He's calling many to yield their lives in this soil. He's calling many to die in this soil. And a lot of our frustrations are because we we start to do that and then we go through the process and our hearts are like, man, I don't know, this is a lot messier than I thought. And we pluck ourselves out of it and we bounce to the next soil. And we go from soil to soil to soil, saying the issues with the soil, it's this community, it's this community, there's no perfect soil. The issue's not with the soil, the issue is with the seed, and that refuses refused to die in the soil. And if we would just yield to what he's doing, he'll change our hearts. If we would say, I know, Lord, you've spoken these words of what you want to do, I've got them written out all over my room of what you're going to do, but, Lord, you've called me here, you've planted me here, I'm going to die right here. Like the questions we normally ask are, where's a good place that I fit in? Where, where do I, um, you know, where's a place that's going to help me in my calling? Those are like good, but man, what we need to be asking is, Lord, where's a good soil I can die in? Where's a place where I can plant myself? Where's there a place where there's mothers and fathers who will shepherd what you've placed inside of me? Like where's a place where I can totally surrender my life to you, Lord, and just trust that as I do that, Lord, that you're going you're to bring uh, growth to it, right? What did, what did, uh, what did it saying, uh, I think, in letter in the Corinthians, it says that Paul plants... Apollo waters, but God makes it grow. You can't make it grow. You can't make the things that God's placed in your life grow. You can't achieve it through striving. You can only achieve it through surrendering, through surrendering. And I want to shepherd your heart today to say the things God's placed in you, like if you're here and you feel called here, you're in a good place. It's not perfect soil. I'll tell you that real quick. But no soil is. And if you just yield and surrender to your heart, one, you'll not just find success at the end, but you'll start to thrive through the process. You you don't have to start worrying about pushing doors open. I just feel like, really, in my heart, I don't know if it's it's for one, then so be it, but I feel like it's for more, God is saying, get planted. Die in this soil. Lose your life right here. I want to say that if you're especially, how many people are in their 20s here? I'm just curious. Man, there's a lot of, of, John, you're not in your 20s, but all right. In his heart, 20s and younger, man, I wish someone would have shepherded my heart like this when I was younger. Listen, listen, you, you want the truth? You say, man, I, I, I feel like life ahead of me. I have so many desires. What do I do, Pastor? Find a soil to die in. Just start serving. Just start giving your heart wherever you are and entrust yourself to the process of God. Are you guys following me? Yeah. you with me? Does anyone feel like this is speaking to their heart? All right, so I'm not alone, okay, because I thought maybe it was just for me. <laughs> Man, so I really feel that a lot of times we get frustrated because of the lack of what we're seeing in our life. We get frustrated over the lack of fruit in our life. Have you ever been there? You get frustrated over saying, wait, God said these things, but I see this in my life. And again, there's many things to God's process, all right? This is just one specific community. But I feel a lot of times it's because we do not, we do not yield to the soil he's trying to plant us in. We do not do it. And when we find a lack of fruit, again, we say it's the soil, but really it's that we wouldn't die. Here's, here's kind of, I wish, uh, I wish we had a screen. I'd give you a time-lapse of what it looks like, the process of germination. It's really, it would be incredible. And you'd be encouraged. But when you see a seed get put into the ground, right, what happens? We get born again. So we're saved and we're so excited. We're like, man, I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna change the world. And these are, I think, good godly desires. I mean, we wanna be used to make an impact and we're so excited. It's like, I'm alive. God's alive. He's real. I man, God, what do you want me to do? Or, or I find that when we're in seasons of transition God calls us, right? Maybe you were called here, you know God called you and it's like this is incredible. I got friends, like we're dreaming together. What's God going to do? We're so excited. And then all of a sudden God takes your life and's like, "Now nah, I just want you to be planted right down in this soil." <laughs> and you're just like, "What's going on?" Because in the soil it gets dark, it gets tight. You start adding manure in there because that enriches the soil. And all of a sudden you're in this process and you're like, "Man, wait a minute." I I feel like there's conflict with people now. Stuff starts coming out of my heart as I'm getting deeper in relationship. I feel like I'm moving further from the things that God has said. Like maybe I'm doing something wrong. And what you find out is that if you just yield and surrender in that entire process, the seed is slowly dying. And as it's dying, it's actually beginning to conceive life. And the last thing that actually comes in the growth cycle of a fruit-bearing tree is the fruit. It's the last thing. So just like if you feel God's called you here, I, I just I want to I wanna just encourage you to, or wherever you're called, whatever body, if you're just here for a Sunday, plant yourself in there. Die in that soil. Give all that you have. Amen? So there's just really, there's just two ways I want to teach us how to do this. I want to teach you how to die. <laughs> you're like, wow, this is an uplifting message. <laughs> but it is, though, because it's a biblical principle that, Uh, unless we die, there there can be no life. So this is how life comes. So again, I want to teach you, I want to shepherd you in these two, just two simple ways the Lord said for us um, of how you can do this, how you can yield your life. Uh, Again, it's not through striving. It's not through striving. The more you yield, the more fruit you'll see in your life. Do you know what's the hardest part about biblically dying? It's a choice. It's the hardest part. One day he's going to do it. No, no. You have to choose to die. You have to choose to subject yourself to the soil that God is trying to plant you in. We have to choose that. Say, one day he'll do it. No, no, no. He says, you've got to choose. I just sense like a lot of times our hearts, again, they get frustrated because our heart is directed on this. It's always like looking around, looking around. God's saying, I want you to die right here. That internal war will go away if you fully, fully plant yourself right in the place that God has you. Seed has incredible potential, but that potential is only realized when it is planted and then rooted in in a soil. So like there is incredible potential in every person's life. That's not just some feel-good hype thing. It's just the reality. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit living through you. Scripture says in Ephesians 3.20 that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, imagine. Like there are things that God would do through our life that we can't even dare to pray into. It's, it's bigger than we could ever imagine. But the last part of that scripture is according to the work of the Holy Spirit in us, the power that is within us. It's the Holy Spirit. Meaning to the degree that you surrender is to, to the degree that the Holy Spirit can move beyond your natural reach. And the more that we yield our lives, the more that the Holy Spirit is able to use us. All right? So this process of being of being planted, if you want, you can turn to first Peter chapter 5 verse 5 I'm just going to share something from there in a moment to speak into this is a biblical principle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15:36 what you sow does not come to life unless it dies it's got to die the lord is calling us i believe this is he's preparing a burial for us and listen every new season has a new cost a new cost of sacrifice, which means myself, everyone, we say, wow, the Lord is doing a new thing, house of prayer, we've sensed it. And the Lord says, yeah, but everyone's got to die that much more now. <laughs> everyone's got to yield that much more. I feel like as a whole, this isn't just individually, that like God has confirmed so many things of what He wants to do in this community. And as a body, we've got to yield our hearts collectively. I'm just remembering this. You know, in the scriptures, you know how many times it says that we are. The body uh, is like a seed that God scatters among the nations. You ever read that? It says we're like a seed that God scatters among the nations. It's in Zechariah. Meaning not only are we individually like a seed and the things God speaks in us like seeds, but us collectively are like a seed. And God wants to sow us as the kingdom of God into the world. So as we individually die in the soil and collectively die, God says you are like a seed I'm sowing into this community. And as you do this, as you all just give your lives away, watch how the fruit just begins to happen. All right, so there's two things I wanna share with you and then we'll, uh, we'll close this out. How do I, how do I die? How, what does that look like? What are the things that need to die? Um, there's, just, there's so many things that you could share and so many benefits to community, but there's just two in particular that I've really felt. Submission in our relationships and serving, okay? I wanna give you just two really practical ways and some things that come against us. These are ways we can get planted in community. So number one is submission. If you're taking notes, what does that mean? Submission in our relationships means we agree to have our lives openly checked on and challenged. This is a good thing. When we submit to one another, it means I'm willing to live with a measure of openness and, and I acknowledge that I need you to actually challenge and check my life and if, would you allow the same. And we live in this deep communion where there's accountability and we allow for this. Ephesians 5.21, it says that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we actually submit our hearts to one another. We we say, "Listen, I give you permission. You have permission. We're going to go through life together, and we're gonna we're gonna allow like our relationship to actually help us die." It's one of the ways that the Lord helps us die is in the context of a relationship and submitting to one another. First Peter five five that I have you that I had you open up to. Um, it's one of those scriptures if you've ever read where it says, "God gives grace. Uh, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Have you heard that? It's in a few spots. I love that, right? But in 1 Peter 5.5, if you read the context, what is it talking about? Well, the context is is that Peter is encouraging people to submit to the elders, and then he actually stops and says, no, actually all of you, clothe yourselves with humility. He says, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Meaning meaning how we relate to one another is affecting our relationship with the Lord. And a lot of times what happens is we have conflict, and we don't submit our hearts to one another. We don't journey through that. And God is actually, when he says he, he, he... he uh, uh, opposes the pride. He's saying it the pride in, in, in not submitting to one another. When we don't actually allow ourselves to be checked and challenged, God says that's a spirit of pride. But there's a grace available when we actually do that. Can I, can I encourage you to say that many times we may feel weary and worn out in life. It's because we won't submit to one another. We're actually not allowing ourselves to, be, to journey and have our hearts opened up with one another in, in community. Why am I saying this? Because I believe one of the number one reasons that people – pluck themselves out of the process of being planted and dying is because of conflict. One of the number one reasons that I've seen over and over is the moment there's some type of conflict, people may even still come around, but they're not dying in the soil anymore. They're here, but they're really not here. I, I, um, I worked at Teen Challenge, if any of you guys are familiar with that, Brooklyn Teen Challenge, and uh, it's, a, it's a year-long program for people struggling with addiction. And when guys would leave the program prematurely, if there was... Um, 10 guys that would leave. Eight out of those 10, always offense. Always offense. This brother, he did something, the staff member did something. It was never because God had called them to leave. It was almost always because they got offended and they didn't know how to submit their hearts to what was happening and to one another. And as a result, they closed themselves off. They got prideful. They felt a disconnect with God and they said, I'm out of here. I'll just leave then. There's a book, I don't know if you ever read it, called um, Bait of Satan by John Bevere. It's uh, yeah. Some of you read it. Some of you love it. I could already tell it was an amazing book, one of the best books I read. But it, one of the number one reasons people leave the body of Christ is is offense. It's one of the great baits of Satan. Is he? It's he, as we're called to sow our lives. He's sowing seeds of discourse, <laughs> discord. And and we're like, man, will we will we submit to uh, to the Lord's process, right? So I want to encourage you to yield your lives and and uh, and to not run when you have conflict because you're going to have it. You're going to have it, and actually what what I would love for you to see, Pastor Crystal mentioned it so I won't get into it too much, is how actually that conflict uh, further grows you and develops you. It sharpens you, right? Listen, relationships, it's one of the ways God crucifies our flesh. So one of the ways we die in the soil of community is through one another and having to continually submit our hearts when we get offended, when we feel like we've been wronged, when we feel like we've been overlooked. And the closer you grow in intimacy, the the more you'll experience that. How many married couples are here? <laughs> let me let me okay. I am not I should not be c- counseling a marriage, but here's the one bit of advice I give you. The first one to win is the first one that dies. I was created to kill Crystal and and Crystal was created to kill me. <laughs> and we do a really good job at it. We do. If there's anything we're good at, that's what we're good at. Because we expose each other's idols, our selfishness, all that other stuff. And there's times where we have pride, where we wouldn't submit. But when we submit our hearts, there's a grace that's available. And we actually grow in that process. So as we're a community, we need to know that we're going to have conflict. The question is, what will we do with it? What will we do with it? will we see that's actually a part of what's happening? Because when you have conflict and you decide, I'm out of this, I'll just go find another soil where this won't happen. One, it will happen. (laughs) And two, you actually just plucked yourself out of a soil that has essential nutrients for your roots, like accountability and fellowship, and encouragement, and the list goes on and on and on. And so you need to be plugged in. It's part of God's process in growing you. Um, how often do we do this? <laughs> Daily. You've gotta, you said, No, I just died in a relationship. It was really hard. No, no, you got to die again. Paul says, Daily you have to do this. Dead man has no rights. So when I feel like I've got something to say, I'm actually not fully dead. <laughs> because if I'm dead, I have to lay everything down, right? Why, why is this also such a struggle? The Lord was speaking to me about something about our culture that we live in. I feel that one of the reasons why this is such a really intense struggle for us to handle conflict rightly is because right now we're living in a culture that is beginning to celebrate this term, cancel culture. Have you heard that? So so, by definition, this is what it is. A cancel culture means that we withdraw support from someone because they said or did something offensive. Now, let me be clear, there are extreme situations where that is the right thing to do. But what I find now is that in relationship it's crept into the body of Christ, and the moment someone offends someone, we do not know how to journey through that. Instead, we cancel one another. We say that's it, you're done. Like I don't want any part of you anymore. Can I just can I just tell you something? Thank God we don't serve a God who operates in canceling culture. (laughs) Like, thank God, because all of our lives were deeply offensive before God, and the only one who had a right to cancel us actually canceled himself for us. Like, he's the only one, and we need to take that example and say, when our hearts get offended, I don't just write you off. We're not called to operate by cancel culture. It's kingdom culture. Kingdom culture doesn't cancel you, it transforms. It's peacemakers, which means we actually talk about the issue. Pastor Crystal did a great job on this. How you do that, you communicate so that you can have restoration and peace. Peacemakers don't avoid conflict, they address it. We're called to be reconcilers. You know what compounds this issue even more is I think we don't know how to talk anymore. In the social media age, if I don't like you, guess what I do? Defriend you. (laughs) I block you. I just put an emoji. Now, again, some cases you need to do that. <laughs> you need a friend. But a lot of times in the body of Christ this happens, and we don't know how to say, hey, can I talk to you? I'll just cancel you. And we don't realize, like, we deeply need one another. Deeply need one another. And, and us journeying together, it's so crucial to your own, your own growth. Look at Romans 12.5. Turn there real quick. And then I'll finish this point, and we'll, we'll just share serving real quick. Romans 12.5. Now, I could have went a lot of places for this. I just wanted you to see it. Romans 12.5 says, says this. It says, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. That's all I want to share. We all belong to each other. It's an incredible statement. Again, we live in a culture. Personally, I have a hard time with this. Our culture is such an individualistic culture I mean, think about it. I mean, you go on a subway, everyone can listen to their own music. You can go to a buffet. You get what you want, I get what I want. There's this aspect that kind of carries over in Christianity. And it's like, well, I'll just do my thing, you do your thing. But actually the scriptures say we belong to one another. And this is really important. And I didn't understand this until honestly recently. But talking about God placing desires and giftings and promises in our heart, you'll never be able to fully walk in the full potential of that without other people. Say, so what, what do you mean? Listen, this is, God's built it this way. Paul's equating us to a body, right? Many of you know this. We're a spiritual body, but he says, you want to understand how you work? Think about a physical body. Some of you guys are eyes, some of us are hands. And think about this. If I'm a hand, what's my purpose? It's to touch, it's to grab, it's, it's to feel, right? Well, think about this. If that's my job, how well can I do that without eyes, I would be very limited. Sure, I can still do it, but I wouldn't really under- know what I'm even touching, let alone, you know, being able to find it, right? Point being is that there's, a, there's an aspect where I can only reach my full potential and my gifting with you. See, we think like, man, God's given me this calling, this gifting, he's going to use me. Yeah, you can't actually reach the full potential without one another. If you're called to be a hand, you'll never be able to grab like you should without having an eye with you. And so this whole idea where like it's just me and Jesus and I'm going for it, no, we need to submit ourselves in the body. We actually all through su- submitting to one another will be able to walk in our purpose and our gifting in a greater capacity than we ever could by ourselves. Bible. This is why the Bible's is always, always emphasizing that, as Pastor Crystal mentioned as well, we're a royal priesthood, we're, we're, we're a kingdom, we're a temple, meaning collectively. It's never about the individual. It's always about us collectively, Right? So I want to share one other thing with you guys. If you're taking notes, the second thing out of, out of, outside of submission is serving. Last thing, we'll close here. How, how, do I get, how do I die in a community? How do I embrace God's process to plant myself in this soil? Learn to submit in your relationships. And the other thing I felt the Lord say is serving. I think this is so important. Jesus's definition of greatness is to get low. That's his definition. So if you were like, man, I feel so alive. I feel like I want to do all these things. God's speaking. Again, Andrew, what do I do? I would say find a soil to die in and just begin to serve. Anywhere, whatever it looks like, just begin to give yourself away to the first test that you find in front of you. Is it possible for a Christian to be great? It is. But Jesus' definition of greatness is different than what we think. He says the lower you get, the greater you are. And I want you to see this. David. David received the word to be a king, Right? received it from the prophet Samuel, 20 years went by before he ever saw it. What did David do? Did he fold his arms in the process and say, I'm called to be a king, so I'll wait till that happens? David's faithfully served in every season of his life. You know, it says that he served the sheep, right, his father by serving the sheep. He served his brothers on the front line of battle, and in 1 Samuel, it says he entered the service of Saul, the very one who was trying to persecute him, Meaning, David, again, just didn't sit back and say, I've got a word, and I'm just going to wait for that. David said, I'm going to just entrust myself to God's timing and process, and I'm going to start being faithful right where I find myself. So, so important. If you want to see, like, the seeds of what God's planted come to pass, it's not manipulation. It's really learning to entrust yourself in God's timing. That he's able to bring them about when he wants to. David took on a position of humility and began to serve right where he was. Get low. just being this, When I look out, out here, I see so many faces from when we started who I know that God has said things of how he wants to use them even in this body, but you know what it was? What do we need? Set up? Break down? We need a mop? Like if we can't hold a mop, we can't hold a mic. That's just the truth, right? And this helps us, man, to really, this is how we die in a community, I've heard amazing testimonies. One worship leader that I love at Upper Room, uh, his name is Joel. If you ever see him, he's got crazy hair. But he's an amazing worship leader. For the first six months at his church, I found out that they didn't even know he could sing. The way it was discovered is the pastor there heard him singing while he was mopping in the, in, the, in the bathroom. And he said, why are you mopping? And he says, well, I wanted to serve. And they said, well, we need someone to clean the bathroom. So that's what he did. And now God is using him in an incredible way. The point is, though, he just submitted himself in that body wherever the need was. So I want, to, uh, I, I, want to, I want to encourage you that um, you don't need to self-promote yourself. That's the beauty of this. You don't need to feel the pressure of, if God said something, I've got to break those doors open. You don't need that. You just start faithfully serving with what's right in front of you, and when God's ready, he'll open the doors. And when he opens a door, he has to maintain it. When you open the door, you've got to maintain it. Like, thank goodness for some of his seasons of hiding. Wow. Wow. I used to be like, God, I, I want a season of exposure, you know? He says, yeah, but you know what happens in that? You get exposed. <laughs> so thankfully, he hides us. David was hidden in caves. It's protection that he does that, right? So listen, some, some of the things that the enemy will do when you're trying to just be faithful with right in front of you, he'll, he'll speak lies to disrupt that process. One of the things that I've heard over and over in my head is you're falling behind. I don't know if you've ever heard that, it, it's. I always hear it in my head, "You're falling behind." In other words, you should be doing better right now. You should be further along. You should be a better. For me, it would be you should be a better leader, a better, a better know the Bible better, a better father. And I feel this pressure, like you should be better. You should be further along. You're falling behind. And what that does is it, it puts a pressure in us to try to open open up doors too fast. We start trying to skip process in our life. Do you know what you call something that grows really fast that doesn't have roots? A weed. Ain't nobody got time for weeds. (laughs) We don't want weeds. We want oaks of righteousness. So we say, Lord, I submit my heart. I'm going to die in this soil. You called me here. I'm not going to say, well, I'm kind of here. No, here I am, Lord. I yield my heart. And when when you're ready, if you're ready, Lord, you'll do things that you've spoken into me, right? In Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28, you don't need to turn. I'll just speak it. I want to kind of share this last story. In Nehemiah chapter 3, have you guys read Nehemiah? It's a really amazing story. The Israelites, or the Judaites, technically, are coming back from captivity out of Persia. It was Babylon, but then Persians took over. And Nehemiah is one of their uh, primary leaders, and uh, and he has an encounter with God where he realizes the walls of Jerusalem are broken down, and so his heart is broken over this, and God says, I'm going to use you to build these walls back up. So this is a really incredible task. I mean, it's a big, big vision for his life. And he comes up with this strategy that's so simple, yet it's so strategic. He says, this is what he says in verse 28, he tells the priest that, uh, he says, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to step out front of your house. And he says, I want you to build right in front of your home. You mean like, we have this massive wall. We've got this big calling. He says, what what are we going to do? He says, here's what I want you to do. Step in front of your house. And the first thing you see in front of you, I want you to start building. I feel like this just cuts through all the confusion that we feel at times when, when we have all these things in our heart and we're like, man, where do I go? What do I do? And God says, step in front of your house, look at the body that I planted you in and just start doing what's right in front of you. Just start yielding your heart. Do you know why it's so hard to build a wall that's right in front of you? Because it never looks like the promise. It never looks like the seed that God spoke into your heart. The reason why it's so hard is because you say, wait a minute, you called me to do this, God. How is making a menu for these men at this program going to get me there? And it takes just as much faith to believe that the God who gave you the promise is the same God who's giving you that current assignment. And if you can see that, you'll fully give your heart to it and realize he's using this. He'll use anything in your life. And when he's ready, in a moment. He's the Lord of time. Don't worry about if someone feels like they're moving ahead. He's the Lord of time. It's not even about that, but God can just do things supernaturally. I, I, I feel this for our prayer sets. Like, I feel like the Lord is really telling us to embrace these prayer sets with that type of faith for the things that he's called us to do, the things that he said he's going to see in this community. I believe it's about us dying and fully, like, giving ourselves to what we're doing with these prayer sets. I'll say this as well. faithfulness to build the wall. This is another thing I felt to share. Faithfulness to build the wall right in front of you is not giving up on your dream. It's just entrusting God with it. Doesn't mean that you're saying it's over. It's just saying, Lord, you're going to do it. Be careful. Last two things. Be careful to let passion be your main um, guidance, excitement. Why? I'm telling you right now. Because if you do that, you're going to have many assignments in front of you that you're not very passionate and excited about. And the trick or the trap is that you will not do it because it's not fun, but meanwhile it's critical to your development what God's trying to do in your life. So important to what he's trying to do in your heart. And so you can can embrace it fully. And I felt the Lord just saying a question. Will you be obedient to the assignment in front of you even if your passion for it is not strong? Will you have faith to know that I'm able to bring it to pass? And the last thing I'll say is pay attention and accept the lessons that God is trying to teach you in your current assignment the wall that he's saying to build in front of you. If you don't do this, you're going to get frustrated, you can get bored, and you cannot see the purpose in it. And it's easy to quit. And the example I have for this is David. When David, when David fought Goliath, right? And Goliath was a door that would open him up to what, what his destiny was. He said something amazing. When he's ready to fight, fight this, this giant, and he's questioned as if he could do it, he says, when I was tending to the sheep, He says, my God was faithful to deliver these sheep from the mouth of the bear and the lion. If he's done it then, he'll do it again. Here's the point. Did David know? I don't know if David knew in the moment what was happening or if it was just something supernatural when he started to fight Goliath where he recognized it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. God's been actually preparing me for this a long time ago. David, I don't know if he recognized it when he was doing it, tending the sheep, but what David was doing is he was sowing into his future. He may have not recognized it, but later on when he got to a moment, he said, oh my goodness, God's been preparing me for this my whole life. That time when I was on the backside of the mountain just tending the sheep, I wasn't wasting time. God didn't forget about me. He was actually preparing my heart for what would come next, for what would come next. So listen, learn to die in the soil. (laughs) Submit, serve, anything else the Lord is speaking you on. But let's, let's fully engage ourselves into God's process. In Galatians 6, it says that God will not be mocked. man reaps what he sows. If you, if you sow it in, in the flesh, you'll reap destruction. But if you sow in the spirit, you'll reap life. And he says, and at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Which means if you've been doing this and you say, well, I still haven't seen the, that full fruit, it's just not your season yet. But it's coming. Because he won't be mocked. Amen? I don't know if Ray's here, if Ray could put music on, or if Brittany's here. Either way, I'm going to ask uh, the prayer team, if it's Vicky and Don, I'm not sure who exactly, did, I'm sorry, Diane and Pastor Joe, if they would come up. And so I'm just going to pray over us as a body, and then for who would ever like, uh, you're more than welcome to come up if you feel like the Lord's speaking to you at all. And what we've been sharing, we'll pray for you specifically. The rest of you, hang tight. I don't know if we have instructions for setup. You can just help out as as, um, as tables come out. But we're about to have an amazing meal. Right? I don't know if you guys are smelling that. And you're like, just be quiet already so we can eat this. <laughs> but it's over there, we're about to eat. Uh, but I don't want to pass this moment by, so if you really feel that God's just been tugging on your heart after I pray, I just invite you to to come forth. And I also want you to know, one of the things that we have here to help you serve, it's called Growth Track. So here's something really practical. If you're like, man, I wanna take a next step and just build in front of me in this body. uh, The first Sunday, we've had to change it because of coronavirus, but we're gonna start it back up. The first Sunday of every month, right after service, we're gonna be holding a class right in here. So the first Sunday in November, we're gonna have a class right in here. It'll be one class And we'll get together and we'll talk about our our mission, our vision, and how you can take a next step, all right? So let me pray with you guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need help to yield to your process. And I just pray, Lord, for those that you have called to be in this body, you would help each and every one of us to plant ourselves like like that seed, to willingly choose to subject ourselves to this soil. Lord, help us to yield our hearts, our lives, our dreams. And Lord, not in a way that Is manipulating God, but we truly entrust everything to you. And I pray, God, that you would help us in the Spirit to die in this soil. Teach us how to do that. Teach us how to lay down our lives so that we as a body could bear the fruit that you have prophesied over us, Lord. Every person, Lord, I pray no one would be found on the fences. And may Holy Spirit, you just encourage hearts. Everywhere we find ourselves, in our own individual processes, Lord, I pray they'd be encouraged and strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. All right, God bless you. We'll be eating in a few minutes. So hang around if you'd like. Come up if you'd like prayer. We'll pray for you.